Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Lonergan, and today I am so excited to be joined by the entire Axiom team here in the studio. We're doing something a little different the next two weeks where you'll have a chance to really dive in and get to know each of us as we get to share a little more about ourselves personally and professionally, as well as ask and answer questions ranging from fun, personal, and professional. All right, well, we're now back from our commercial break. And it is Lucas's turn to explain all of the things. What's your backstory? Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> wow. That's probably a better way to say that. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we yeah, go. Was coffee a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> you want to try that one again? That is, that is a loaded no, question that I'm going to do, do my best attempt coffee? to answer. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to take just a personal um, point of privilege and recognize that I have a privilege that our listeners don't, and that is to get to see each of you as we're sharing these stories. And I think about just how much the Lord has worked in each one of our lives to bring us together. And now we're reflecting on those stories and everything that I'm about to share is the Lord's work. And so my journey begins several thousand miles away in a country called Germany. So I was born in Germany. I grew up in Germany. I spent the first 16 years of my life there and always grew up with a desire for education. I loved learning. And that was one of the things early on I realized I was good at. I got good grades. My teachers liked me. Physics was my favorite subject because I was the teacher's favorite, not because I really <laughs> knew what I was doing. But with that said, I knew that education would be an important part of my life um, way beyond just early high school. And as I continued on in high school, I saw lots of friends of mine go on study abroad trips and hear about their stories of going to other countries and learning about their cultures. And early on, I realized I wanted to do that too. Then I realized almost immediately after that those trips are really expensive. <laughs> and financially at the time, that was really not something my family could afford. And that went on till about 10th grade. That desire to study abroad was still something I wanted to do. And my English teacher at the time approached me and shared about the scholarship opportunity. It was a partnership between the United States and Germany that would sponsor about 360 students to study abroad. So I immediately applied and come to find out, I actually applied about the day of the deadline when I submitted my paperwork and went through the interview process. And the best way to describe it is essentially one student per congressional district in Germany gets to go study abroad. And I was selected as one of those students. The nice thing about this is it's a full ride. So everything is paid for, including your flight, your lodging, your expenses here. And I arrived in Sarasota, Florida, not by choice, but because that was a place that was assigned to me. But I remember getting a phone call about two weeks before my departure date. And they're telling me, hey, Lucas, we found you your host family. You're going to Sarasota, Florida. And all I remember hearing as a German 16-year-old at the time was, Florida, I'm thinking of Disney World. I'm thinking of the beach. So I was excited. And I remember looking up a picture of Sarasota and it was just a gorgeous bay view of Ringling Bridge and, and Marina Jack. And I knew this was going to be fun. So I arrived in the United States in August of 2013 and was a part of a host family that um, brought me in, just given me an opportunity to be just a part of American life. Unfortunately, early on, I had a rough time making friends. So I was in high school as a junior 
and just really was just having trouble making connections. Probably was part of my accent. Maybe just Germans are just a little weird at times. <laughs> and just had a lot of trouble making friends until I started running track and field. And that was about five, six months into my study abroad here. Started running track, made some friends, and then one of those friends invited me to church. Now, if any of our listeners, even you, have heard of the movie Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg, that's what I thought of. Like Black Gospel <laughs> Choir Church and Oh Happy Day, every day, all day. So I figured, you know what? I'm here to make the most out of my 10 months of studying abroad. And so I decided I'm going to go to church and I will go to youth group. And that's when things really started to click for me socially. Started making just some super great friends that I've been friends with to this day. But more importantly than that, I would hear the gospel shared every single Wednesday night at youth group. And I would keep coming back because I wanted to hang around my friends and I would just hear gospel presentation every Wednesday. Started going to church on Sunday and then became a Christian about two weeks before I returned back to Germany. And so at the time, I had no plans of staying in the United States, no plans of staying as long as I have. But I returned to Germany for about three months and then returned to the United States in September of 2014. And the best way I could summarize that is there were things that pushed me to come back to the United States and pulled me back. And on the pushing side, it really related back to home life. Uh, it was difficult, grown up, had a tough relationship with my parents. And that certainly created um, a push that brought me back here. But then also... I've just grown to love and appreciate this country, the values it stood for, the opportunities that were presented to me, even at that young age, that for me, I wanted to be here. And the Lord opened a door and I was able to return and then finished high school a year later and then started college and eventually received two degrees from the University of South Florida in 2019 and 2021. Go Bulls all the way. <laughs> Devin just did a bull sign or listening. And I share all that to say because I look back at that and I'm still a part of the same church community that I've been a part of since I got saved. And I look at 16-year-olds wandering around a church and I look at myself and I think I was that age when I left everything I'd ever known, my family, culture in Germany, literally everything. And I came here and embraced it. And I know there's more to share to that, and it wasn't always easy. But I look back at it, and I know that that was the Lord working in me before I even realized it. And he has since then, over the last nearly 10 years now, equipped me to serve him in so many capacities that um, I'm just grateful to be in this room, realizing that everything I've just shared has led to this point in some capacity. And I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be a part of this team and uh, just so grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be here and share a little bit more about my story. I will say one of the things that excites me the most about me specifically being at Axiom is when I look back at my interview process, I decided I was going to make a switch mainly because I had been in a position where I was stretched incredibly thin. I was overseeing really, for lack of better words, business operations for small business that included some of the financials, operations regarding our inventory, our order flow. And I realized my background's in marketing and that's what my passion is. And I've been doing all these different things. And I knew that for me to have a just fulfilling career, it needed to be a little bit more focused. And then throughout this interview process, I realized what initially had driven me away from my previous employer 
turned out to be what equipped me so well to now be in this role where, and I've shared this with Joey in the interview process, that had I just stuck with marketing and had I just done marketing and, and succeeded in that arena, I don't think I would have been as qualified of a candidate as I turned out to be given the diverse experience I had. So again, I'm grateful to be a part of this team. Grateful for each one of you. Um, just embracing me and welcome me so well. So you're German? I am. <laughs> uh, you joke because uh, you're probably one of the most articulate. Not today. We know you're definitely the best dressed member of the yeah. team. team. Uh, but it's been, uh, it's been fun to get to know you through the interview process. And now we get to share an office together. Like one of the, one of the benefits of growth is that we're out of space, and uh, which means we get to spend a lot of time <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. So it's been fun sharing an office with you. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it a lot. Likewise. You mostly like sharing an office just so you can steal his pretzels, though. That's true. He's also the most well-equipped snack person <laughs> at Axiom. <laughs> He's got a, a jar of Reese's cups and a jar of pretzel bites that, um, thankfully, he told him, but, you know, he, he also said, I don't count these. You know, so we've <laughs> taken full advantage of that. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's better that way. But yeah, yeah I operate great. better with a full stomach. <laughs> I, I So... For our listeners, one of the things that is on Lucas's resume is that he is also the only TEDx speaker uh, amongst us. So, I mean, it shows. You, you, I just want to emulate your speaking sometimes because you're so articulate. You. But uh, I want to ask a question about that. And, and, you know, TEDx is a pretty big name, prominent brand mm-hmm. uh, for public speaking. What was the most challenging part? I mean, obviously, something in your mind was like, Oh yeah, I'll sign up for that. But was there any reservation? And when you finally signed up for it and then got accepted, what was one of the most challenging aspects of preparation that you went through? Yeah. I love that question. The first Ted talk that I've ever listened to was start with your why by Simon Sinek. And he talks about the circle of why and I remember listening to that podcast. I believe I was an undergrad in college and immediately thought I would love to give a TED talk. I think it was in part like my own sense of pride. Like, oh, this would be cool to have this opportunity. But then even as I continue to mature and continue to learn more things, I realized that it would be ignorant for me to hold back all that I have learned coming from Germany to the United States and share that and or not share it. And so knowing that for me to have this opportunity to share about, here's what I've learned out of a place of humility, where I know that there's other international students out there, other individuals that are in similar positions that may have faced or are currently facing similar challenges. And if my talk can in any way encourage or inform them, then that's a successful talk. And so at the time I was working for the organization that was hosting that particular TED Talk. And I remember thinking, this could be my opportunity. But I discounted myself almost immediately. I thought, I'm too young. Like, who's going to want to listen to me? And this was about four years ago now. And I was sitting across from the guy who was leading that organization at the time. And he heard me say that out loud. And he just looked at me, no, you need to apply. And he's known about my story. He's known about some of my background. And I did. And come to find out that they were looking for about eight speakers and then one, they had an intention to be younger and to still be a student. And so that played into my cards, 
But I know you mentioned, did I have any reservations? I had tons. <laughs> I love speaking. I love talking. But I do it best when I don't have to memorize things or I don't have to read off of a very particular script. And so TEDx does not allow you to have any kind of notes with you on stage. So I had a couple slides that were aids. But looking back at it, I probably try to memorize it too much and just stick to that structure. So if that opportunity were to come again or a similar capacity, I would probably speak more freely. But I look back at it every once in a while on just the YouTube count and uh, I'll see people have muted. And so that initial hope remains that for me, having had the chance to share the story ought to encourage or inform someone out there that might be in a similar context that I have had been in. Cool. Mm -hmm. So you, you said this guy heard you ask that question. Is that because you have a habit of like thinking out loud and you're just like wandering around, like saying things to yourself. And he's like, no, no, no. Like that's a good thought. Stop Lucas there. talks to himself. Yeah. <laughs> I have, so something I should know is your office. I, I, have, I have reserved that in the first couple weeks of me working here. No, no, that was more, it wasn't a conversational setting, but I believe it was more of me thinking out loud and he had picked up on that. Nice. Um, but there were some initial reservations I had that even to this day, I still I mean, relating it back to Axiom, I, recognize that I am surrounded by some incredibly talented and sharp people. And I'm not just saying that because you're in the room. I say that when none of y'all in the room and I'm with my friends and other- Or with yourself. Other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have done that. And just recognizing that there's just a healthy respect here. Like I have a lot to learn and there's never going to be a day when I have it all figured out, but just being surrounded by some sharp people gives me confidence in a very unique way. So when we were uh, getting to know each other in the interview process, uh, we were talking about risk aversion, mm -hmm. right? And could, would you mind sharing kind of the insight that you kind of came to through the interview process that w was kind of pivotal for you around risk and your, your perception of risk? I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. So for me, I took the reach personality assessment as part of my interview process. And I remember answering them as truthfully as I knew at the time. And my results came back and I was, I mean, I don't think I could have been any more risk averse according to that result than what had been shown. And as I was reflecting on that, I just asked myself the question, am I really that risk averse? And in reflection, I, I credit the interview process to that. I realized that yes, there's ways that risk is helpful and there's times when risk ought to be embraced. But I look back to 16-year-old Lucas leaving Germany, coming to the United States, having met virtually no one. I think I'd met my host family a week prior over Skype, and that's about the amount of interaction I had at the time. And I feel like I just aged myself a little bit mentioning Skype. <laughs> it was Skype at the time. And I look back at that, and I realized that was a risk. And I realized that there had been other risks I'd taken to be here today. And so I look back at that and I realize there is healthy risk that I ought to embrace. And so I look at this assessment and I'm just reminded that, yes, I have answered that way. And I think I was 100% truthful. And I say that with a clear conscience. And yet, as a result of seeing that result on that assessment, I believe it's been a good learning opportunity for me to embrace those opportunities for risk. Yeah. Not a lot of 16-year-olds would be capable of mm -hmm. stepping out of the comfort zone to the extent that you have. And then like you, as we were talking, I remember like you were layering on like 
like iteration after iteration. And then I did this and then I did this and then I went after my graduate degree and then I, you know, stepped into this job and then I decided to pursue my green card. And so it's been, uh, I think you, you maybe give yourself not enough credit Mm -hmm. for being an advantageous risk taker, judicious, but very advantageous. So Mm -hmm. it's been fun. Thanks so much, Lucas. I love hearing your story and I know all of us have enjoyed having you in the office and I don't just say that because you have Reese's on your desk. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we get to hear from Joey. All right. So by my count, we're doing like 10 minutes a decade. So <laughs> I got, got a little hour to get here. You um, have about 12 minutes. Perfect. So, um, you know, it's this has been uh, 18 years, right? So 2005 is when Axiom started and it looked a lot different than it does now. It was paying the bills for myself and my newly born son. Uh, and Josie and I were raising Andrew. I started Axiom uh, when I was 32 and uh, Andrew was about five months old. So we, Tommy, you talked about sales, right? And and conquering the, the sales dragon and having to go out there and earn your grocery money and your mortgage money and your car payment and all that stuff. And I was highly motivated. Um, and so taxes and accounting, I'm a CPA by trade, so taxes and accounting work paid the bills. But uh, we did put up some kind of some guardrails, if you will, or almost like a gate at the at the front of the firm. And if you weren't a business owner, you couldn't get in. Uh, so we only worked with business owners and we did, we would do their personal taxes and we would advise them on personal stuff. But if you're a retiree looking for somebody to do your tax return or you were some kind of passive real estate investor, um, we would send you to somebody that we we knew did that work and was more interested in than we were. And we grew this little team of accountants and uh, we're doing taxes and and accounting. And I would get opportunities to go out to these businesses and just talk to them about how do you how do you run the business? You know, what, what are you frustrated with? Where do you think this could be? What kind of opportunities do you see in it? And I just loved business. I have since I've been, since I was a kid, uh, Carrie, you know, we talked about, you know, she was playing shopkeeper, you know, when she was little <laughs> and I was figuring out ways to get the neighbors to pay me to mow their grass, even though I didn't have a lawnmower. And you know, so that's, I, I've always wanted to, um, kind of that you fall in love with an image almost, you know, like a small business owner. And a lot of it is just aspirational. And so that was something that I, um, I was in my happy place when I was in another small business and I didn't even have to run it. I had that innate desire that I wanted to, uh, but I could be so happy just being out on the Island, working with a little bed and breakfast or a hotel or sitting in the back of a restaurant, uh, looking at protein costs and, liquor costs and payroll schedules and how do, you know, what can we do to get more people in here on a Tuesday night because we're not covered overhead. And, um, and they trusted me because I knew a lot about their financial life and it was a safe place where, you know, I already knew whether they were making money or not. So they couldn't, you know, didn't have to pretend that they were successful if they didn't feel successful, but we had opportunities to have those conversations. Well, what would it look like for us to get you to a spot where you did feel like you'd achieved what you wanted to and we did nothing of what we do now. Like I was bumbling and stumbling and stubbing my toe and walking into walls, metaphorically, um, trying to figure out how to work with small business owners. And in 2012, we sold uh, the tax and accounting practice because I had a growing book of consulting clients. And I, you know, I just 
did not enjoy doing the tax and accounting work. It was no fun. Uh, it was an opportunity that gave me an audience with business owners, but it's not what I wanted to spend my time with. So that was kind of Axiom 1.0. And um, so I found another CPA in town, uh, a guy that I still know to this day. I saw him last week and, you know, it's great to see him again. We're still good friends, but he took a lot of those clients and freed me up. And it was a little scary because we went from five employees and 1,800 square feet of office space down to nobody. Like they, and they, everybody had like six months notice, so it was not a surprise. Everybody found soft landing spots and went on to do better afterwards than they had with Axiom. So it was, that was great. But, um, you know, I, I took all this furniture that I had and I stuffed it in my garage and I became like a Craigslist expert. Like I had all the pocket money I wanted for about six months because guys who were starting law firms would come and buy a desk and, you know, they were just trying to get, get this stuff out of my hands and into somebody else's while I set up shop in, in our spare bedroom. And then, uh, about a year into that business, the business, um, I had lots of extra time because I didn't have all this tax and accounting stuff. And I had a few clients that I was working with and those clients started to grow and I started to be like, whoa, this is, this is getting beyond me. I need some help. And Josie and I were going on a ski trip with a bunch of friends of ours. And, uh, I had reached out to Belay, uh, or what Carrie referenced EA help earlier, and uh, I was like, I've been hearing them on like podcast advertising. Michael Hyatt was a huge fan of Belay and he was advertising, they were advertising in his podcast. So I called and I started this process and I believe it was right before we went on the ski trip. Uh, they introduced me to Carrie and we had a pretty long, like two to three hour call. And um, she started digging into all the areas. She, she was asking me questions. I was like, I don't know, should I know the answer to that? You know, it was just like... Um, and so I went on this ski trip. We set her start date. So it was like, said that this is going to be great. Yes, let's move forward. We set her start date. And I remember going on the ski trip and I, and I was, we we're in Breckenridge, Colorado. I was the first, my first trip to the Rockies to ski. I love to ski. We were having this amazing time and I could not wait to get off vacation and get back to work <laughs> because I knew that there was going to be somebody there helping. And uh, over the next year, the business doubled uh, because Carrie was driving all of the stuff that I had previously been worried about. She took over and was doing far better than I could. And then uh, probably about five, six years later, uh, Devin came on board. It was um, so four he, years. You came in 18. I came in 14. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Devin came on board and I, and Devin can attest, still bumbling and stumbling, didn't know what I was <laughs> doing, you know, and he was seeing it all, you know, in real time. I wonder sometimes what those conversations with Faith were like at night, where he's like, what did I do? Why, why did I come here? Um, but uh, Devin and I started to hammer out like all the processes. Like there's, there was stuff that was working, right? We were working with, I was working with clients and we were getting results and I was figuring stuff out after, you know, 10 years at that point. And, um, but the, the reality of, well, if Devin's going to do this and we're going to do it the same way, I got to get it out of my head and onto paper so that he can get it into his head. And so Devin was really formative in building all the processes, all the tools that we have today didn't exist when he started. And he helped build those or we built them together or he built them and I helped him refine them. And then a couple of years later, we had a client in Tampa, a great guy named David Sobelman. And, uh, he goes, hey, I, there's this there's this guy I'm mentoring. I think you should meet him. And um, 
I was like, all right, cool. And so and Devin and I were basically sharing an office. I think that's when we were both in the same office. Mm-hmm. So we had this Zoom call with Cameron and uh, none of us knew where it was going. I think Cameron <laughs> knew where it was going. Devin and I had no clue. Zero. And we got off that call and I'm like, I think David Silverman wants us to hire this guy. <laughs> so, so I I called David and, uh, well, Cameron goes, well, I did tell him I was interested in consulting. And um, so we started putting two and two together. I called David and he's like, like, man, he's, he's a, he's a class act. You're not going to find another one. And um, so we started interviewing Cameron and, and Cameron and Chaley joined and, um, and then later Britain. So my wife got her baby fix and Devin's had three babies. So she's, she's happy. She gets her baby fix because our kids are no longer little. And, um, and then Shannon and then Tommy and then Lucas. So it's been a, a story of figuring out along the way. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a challenge because uh, there's no script for it. You know, and, and so I, you guys are, you know, in some, in some sense, you guys are all foolish, right? Because you're following a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, (laughs) but, um, but it's been, uh, it's been fun just to see uh, a testament of this room. I think Lucas, um, you said it, the caliber of the room, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you look around the room and, you know, like just us being in this room is testament to the fact that Shannon is way better at some stuff than any of us will ever be. Right. Um, I was sat in a conversation this morning and, uh, and took part in some conversations last week where I was like, Devin is so much better equipped to do this than I am. Um, and that goes for every one of you. Every, everybody here is, is here because, um, like we couldn't say no, right. We saw the, the opportunity that you presented to, uh, as one of our clients likes to say, raise the ambient temperature of the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and we couldn't say no. So hopefully that continues. Like we just keep, keep being presented with opportunity after opportunity that doesn't make any sense to say no. So, Who was your first actual consulting client? Not tax planning preparation, but you mm-hmm. were just doing the consulting with. Um, well, there were some clients that back in the day we were doing the tax work for because we, uh, my, my spiel in the early days was uh, your tax return, really? Like it's filling out a form. Like I'll do it for free, right? That's how, that's how much I value the tax return. Like what we really want to do is go in and help you build the business. Uh, I think the first client that really, that really came on board for that was a company called Good News Pest Solutions. At the time it was called um, Macy's Pest Control because a guy named John Macy who's an amazing individual. Uh, I haven't seen John in a while, but he's just a great, great guy. And he built this pest control company and had a number two guy named Dean Burnside. And um, Dean Burnside bought the company from John. Dean was kind of, you know, eclipsing uh, sales numbers and doubling the size of the company and John was going to retire. And so Dean um, put together an offer and bought the business from John and kept the name Macy's Pest Control. And Dean and I were in... Uh, C12 group together. So we got to know each other. We're going to a spring training baseball game uh, just as friends. And we're sitting in the parking lot. Uh, we kind of met in a parking lot and then driven to the, to the stadium in Sarasota together. And he was bringing me back to my car and we were sitting in the parking lot talking and, and I was challenging him on, you know, what's your vision for the business? What are you trying to accomplish? And he's like, I don't know. Like I'm, 
I, I don't have a good answer for that. Could Joey, you, I came to watch baseball. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Could you help us figure that out? And I was like, yeah. And so I made up some stuff on the spot and, and he accepted and we started working with them. And then the really cool part is how that business went on from um, being Macy's Pest Control to Dean having this kind of epiphany of uh, we need to change the name to reflect what we really do, which is deliver good news. You know, being um, good news for customers in the sense that good news, we found termites in the house that you're about to buy. So the seller's going to pay for it to be fumigated or good news. We didn't find termites. You know, you can move forward with the sale, but the best news, you know, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And his employees were very, uh, were very willing to share that good news. And so for him, it just made sense. And, and I think that, you know, Dean's been a great mentor of mine. I've learned a ton uh, from just watching him. I've been fortunate enough to during past years to learn a ton working shoulder to shoulder with him. And I'll also say just in the arc of, of my story, um, I didn't set out to build what we're doing today. It was, uh, it has been a story of God changing the heart of a 32 year old and turning it toward what we do today. It didn't start out that way. It was more about let's solve problems. And you guys know me, like I, <laughs> I love to solve problems. Like give me a problem, give me some data, let's go to work. Um, but God had different plans and it really goes to, uh, what are we trying to help these business owners accomplish? And whether they believe that, that he put them, put the business in their hands to accomplish it or not, we know that he can do great things with it and we want to help him do that. Um, but that's been a process. And I, I will say that watching you guys do what you do, um, there's a sense where you, um, if you watch somebody do something that you don't think you can do, it gives you more faith and confidence that it can be done, right? So you see somebody else do something. And there are times, you know, when, you, you know, even I'm tempted to kind of lose heart and be like, is this really possible? And then I'll sit in a meeting with one of you guys and your clients and I'm like, oh, heck yeah, this is possible. <laughs> like, why did I ever doubt? And it's through watching what you guys are able to do uh, that really makes that come home to me and be like, yep, we're, we are doing exactly what he put us here to do. Would, would you say there was a specific moment or was it more of a progressive revelation when you realize like this, this business model is going to work? Like I can actually grow this. I can actually do this after you left the tax stuff. And <laughs> focus on it was once you were hired, Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Cameron walked in the door. Yeah. I was like, thank you, Jesus. No. Um, uh, I think it's been, um, you know, getting back to what I wanted to do. So like the, the move in 2012 to shed everything that wasn't consulting work where, and I say consulting, that means a lot of things to a lot of people, but where you're really coming alongside a business and trying to help them build a plan to grow and then, and then not just get on a plane and fly back to wherever you came from, but like come back the next week and the next week and the next month and the next quarter, the next year and say like, okay, we thought this was going to happen. It didn't. Some of it happened. How are we going to adjust and how are we going to make it happen? Um, that, that move in 2012 to kind of put all the eggs in that basket of working shoulder to shoulder with business owners. I don't think I ever doubted it. Um, uh, to be honest, I think, um, that first year that Carrie was on board and seeing that our business doubled with, with the leverage that she brought to the equation, it was like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be about Joey. Mm. Um, this, and I always wanted it to be bigger, 
But, you know, you always have those doubts in the back of your head. And when Carrie came over and, and she basically took all that stuff that Joey, not only did Joey not like doing it, Joey wasn't very good at it. You know, like <laughs> I'm a CPA and I would venture that Carrie probably had to reconcile like 24 months worth of bank statements <laughs> in her first month, right? Um, so just having her say like, I'll take care of your calendar. I'll take care of your email. I'll take care of your schedule. You go do the things that you could do. And her constantly saying, what else? What else? What else? And her um, being able to intuit from my calendar or my tone of voice or my lack of availability, <laughs> like, what do I need to take off your plate right now? All right, and I've gotten, I can't tell you in 10 years how many of those messages I've got, but they always come at the time when, you know, you're kind of up to your eyeballs and work. And um, that's when I really started to see, uh, while well, we could do something cool here. And then Devin came on board and it just, it's like a snowball rolling downhill. Every person that comes on the team, the ball's rolling faster and faster and faster. Um, and, and now like you guys are creating momentum that's totally out of my hands. Like whether I wanted to be here in this studio today or not was not an option because Shannon is going to drag me in here and make this happen because she sees what we're trying to do. She understands our vision. She understands where we are now. She understands the gap between what needs to happen, what needs to happen to get a little bit farther down the road and where we are now. And she just makes it happen. She and Carrie put things together, to make it happen. You got Cameron, you did the same thing a few weeks or a few months ago. Like we need to dial in our process for, for recruiting and converting prospects to clients. And I showed up and we all showed up in a room about three weeks ago. And, uh, and I had nothing to do with that. I didn't have anything to do with the venue and anything to do with the schedule. I didn't have anything to do with the training. I just showed up because you guys were doing what needs to get done. So that's, that, that's probably the long answer to your short question. Oh, good. <laughs> I love that. I love hearing Joey's story. I've asked him so many different times to explain like how he got here from where he started. And I love hearing just a little more detail added each and every time. Thank you so much for joining us for the Axiom Podcast. I'm so excited that you're on this journey with us as we dive in a little deeper to each of our consultants and team members and learn more about their personal and professional lives. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so by finding us on LinkedIn at Axiom Strategic Consulting or on Instagram at Axiom Strategic Consulting and also on Facebook at Axiom Strategic Consulting. If you have direct questions that you would like to ask us, you can email us at contact at axiomstrategic.com. Please be sure to come back again next week wherever you listen to podcasts where you'll hear the final episode where Cameron and Shannon get to share a little bit more about their journeys and why they are also here at Axiom.